0: Welcome to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. I'm Sarah, your co-host for the podcast. I'm joined here with my lovely sister, Susanna. Hello. And if you are new to Grief Talk, uh, this is a uh, podcast that Susanna and I have um, put together. It was laid on our heart after we lost our brother in 2016, uh, suddenly in an accident. And so this is a space where we share from our own personal experience, uh, from sudden loss, uh, and our hope is to comfort people who are grieving and then also educate and empower um, the support people of grievers uh, to be able to love them well. So welcome to our show. Welcome. Very well said, Sarah. Well, wow, Thanks,
1: sis. I feel like I would have been way long winded.
0: <laughs> well, I kind of thought through it a little bit
1: and I was like, what do the people need to know? Yes, this is a need to know basis. Absolutely. Except we try and our, keep it concise. Except our episodes are always like almost an hour long when right. we say it'll only be 15 minutes.
0: This is going to be a short one. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that we just have a lot to say. We do. That's we really do have a lot to say. So, And we have microphones, and so who's stopping us from saying everything we want to say? This is our show. No one else's. That's right. Well, today we are wrapping up a three-part mini-series about the anatomy of early grief and when we talk about early grief, we're specifically talking about uh, that first year or so. There's no hard and fast rules in grief, but the first year or so after losing a loved one and uh, just the different aspects. So we've touched on the physical uh, aspects of grief, the mental aspects of grief. And then today we're going to talk about emotions, mm-hmm. which seems to be like the most glaringly obvious, I think, maybe to an outsider That like losing someone is sad. So, you know, we're talking about those emotions, but it's a lot more complex than that. And honestly, until I experienced grief, I never really imagined that there would be such mental and physical aspects of it. So I'm
1: glad we touched on those. Yeah, me too.
0: So, okay. Well, uh, we're just going to hop right in. Is that okay with you? That sounds great. Great. Um, So we have a couple of different things that we want to talk about um, just in terms of the the aspects and the emotions that people can experience when going through grief. It's a lot more than sadness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just is. Because um, grief is really complex. It's super layered, to quote you. Uh, it's super layered and it's it has a ton of dimensions. And a lot of that depends on the situation, the person who was lost, maybe how they passed away, your relationship to that person. And so uh, we're just going to explore some of the ways that, um, that we experience emotions in grief. Do you want to talk anything about stages of grief?
1: Um, I'll just say this. I feel like we've touched on this before, maybe in the first season, um, this is Susanna, but the stages of grief were just, I mean, I don't even really like to recognize the stages of grief. Um, I can't remember who the, the psychologist or psychiatrist who created the stages of grief many moons ago, but essentially it was created for, um, individuals that had a terminal illness. Um, but then, it just kind of snowballed and was just kind of this like blanket response, uh, for really anyone losing a person or, you know, those with terminal illnesses. And so, um, I did not find, I mean, I had heard of the stages of grief and like I just immediately rejected it because I felt like what I was going through with my early grief after Leland passed away, our older brother, um, it was totally not linear. Like the the every day was different. Um, every, I mean, obviously every day is hard, but um, yeah, I just completely rejected it. and then after I talked with my therapist, she also rejects it. And so that gave me uh, almost like a an additional validation in that the stages of grief just aren't necessarily super helpful. And so don't even worry about looking at it. I mean, you can if you're curious, but you don't have to accept, that because grief is certainly not linear and doesn't follow a specific like cycle or anything it it is very um dependent on your situation who you are how you're wired your relationship kind of like what sarah was just saying your relationship with your person the situation all of that um so yeah i reject the stages of grief Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit about me Love that. Thanks for sharing. So yeah, so basically what
0: you just touched on, the origin, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she wrote a book in 1969 called On Death and Dying. And this was her model to talk about how people with terminal illnesses face their own death
1: right before right.
0: they die. Um, if you're not familiar with the stages, they are denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and, and acceptance. And um, So they were not originally intended to describe the grief that someone feels when a loved one has passed away. That's not, that was not the context for them. Now I will say like, do people experience a lot of these things? Sure. And so I think kind of like what you said, it just kind of became something that we as a society used to describe, well, this is how grief works and it is much more complicated than that. I will say, I agree with you, Susanna, that like for me personally, the stages of grief are not helpful. There's no part right. of it that's helpful to me. And so I have completely dismissed it as like, here's what it is. It feels like steps. Like I pass one step and I go to the next. And so that makes me feel like there's a right and a wrong way. It feels limiting to me.
1: It's limiting. And then it's like, oh, you get to the end. Congratulations. No You've more grief. you this.
0: Right. Um, I, I mean, I could see how some people might find this um, like comforting in some way. Just for me personally. I don't feel that way. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk about not the stages of grief. We're going to talk about just emotional aspects of grief that people mm-hmm. can feel at any point in time and might kind of transition through. And we're specifically talking about after the death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you want to start us with our first
1: one? Yeah, I'll go ahead and kick us off. So sadness and or depression. That is the first one on our list here. Um I mean, obviously these emotions can be brought on by the realization of your loss and it may cause you to isolate yourself. Um, you know, while you're reflecting on things that you did with your loved one or focusing on memories from the past. Um, this one is very obvious and this one is, you know, very true for me personally. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I was ever depressed. I feel like that's a word that gets thrown around a lot and used like very lightly. And I just don't want to do that. I want to, you know, keep the weight with that word and the seriousness with that word. Um, but the, the deep, deep sadness is so real. And a product of my own sadness was isolation. Um, and, I mean, also I think a, a byproduct of uh, my shame <laughs> caused me to isolate as well. Not necessarily from my brother's accident, but, <clears throat> excuse me, it was it was really easy for me to do that as a response to my sadness because, you know, I mean, I didn't want to be burdensome for right. anyone. I felt like everyone was just kind of looking at me and, um, you know. You don't want to pile on. Yeah, people just kind of like, I mean – you, uh, whoever is listening to this, like, you know, like people just kind of look at you different or they just, they just kind of talk to you a little different. And like, I didn't want any part of that. I wanted to minimize that as much as possible. And so, yeah, I definitely isolated because of, because of my deep, deep sadness. Sure. That makes perfect sense. What about you, Sarah?
0: I would agree. I mean, major depressive disorder is a clinical diagnosis. Uh, People can still be depressed, like without receiving a clinical diagnosis. So I didn't know that. Well, sure. I mean, like you can feel, I think that's, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll have to issue a correction after I say what I'm about to say, but <laughs> somebody take away my master's degree. Um, like sadness seems to be like a little bit more of a temporary state, whereas depression feels more enduring. Right. Um, so like, you know, okay. I'll say this about myself. Like when sure. I've gone through EMDR before, I've like kind of felt this depression afterwards where it might be a couple of days you know, now, am I going to go back to my therapist and be like, you need to diagnose me with major depressive disorder? No. And also she wouldn't because it would have to last a lot longer than that. There's like certain indicators that have to be present. But
1: OK, that's what I'm thinking of, like depression with a capital D. Like, right. That's no, no, what no.
0: I'm I'm thinking People of. People can feel depressed okay. without receiving a clinical diagnosis of depression, I think. No.
1: Well, then maybe I've been way too sensitive.
0: Again, maybe I'm like, I'm like,
1: you're not depressed. Stop it. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Sorry to everyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, sadness and depression. Like, like you know, sometimes there's a day when like, I'm just feeling sad. Like, I'm just kind of feeling off. But like, if it's lasting several days or like, even like a week or two, I would say like, you know, I'm just going through this. Like, I'm just like having a depression right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how my mentor describes it to me. She's maybe. like,
1: it sounds like you're just going through a little depression right now.
0: I I, don't, I could be so way off right now.
1: Okay. Or maybe, maybe I'm the one that I need to normalize this is like literally me in real time. Like I'm being so honest right now. Maybe I need to like normalize using that word because I think that. Sure. Maybe it feels scary to you. Yeah. Mm. It almost feels like.
0: Like you don't deserve to use it.
1: No, it almost seems like, okay, well, if you're depressed, then you're depressed forever. And obviously that's Mm. not the truth. Right. But I guess I didn't realize that like, to, to, to feel some level of depression it could be, you know, just a couple of days or sure. however long, and it doesn't necessarily require medication or a formal diagnosis or, you know, anything. And that, that's okay. If it, if, you know, there is that formal diagnosis and what I, yeah, I guess it is a little scary.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I get that. Well, here we are in real time, in real time <laughs> processing,
1: processing,
0: This is what it's like. This is what it's like when two lay people
1: (laughs) (laughs) do a podcast about grief. And I I also have taken, you know, a little bit of time away from therapy because I feel like I'm in, you know, a spot where I can do that. And here I am processing lots of feelings
0: and thoughts and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad (laughs) people get to hear that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh,
0: Yeah. A lot of people will also experience shock, um, in lots of different ways, like, so in the stages of grief, they would say denial, but just disbelief, general shock, um, which is totally normal, especially, I don't want to use the word normal. I hate it when people are like, this is so normal. It's not unexpected for someone to experience, especially if someone passed away suddenly. So I will mm-hmm. share, maybe I've said this on the podcast before, I'm not sure. We're getting to the point, Susanna, where we've done this podcast for so long. I'm like, did I say this on the podcast or did I say this to dad? You know, I'm like, I can't remember when I've said what.
1: Yes. And you know what? I say, just say it again. because For the people in the back. Well, for the people in the back and also, I mean, whenever I pick a random podcast to listen to or start one, like I never, I hardly ever start from the very beginning. Sure. That makes sense. So I'll just kind of cherry pick based on like what I want to listen to. So yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense. Okay. Um.
0: When I first heard that Leland died, he uh, he passed away in an accident. And so uh, he was 26 years old, if anyone doesn't know our story. And it was irreconcilable in my mind that he could have died. It just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home, because we were in Florida at the time when um, we found out that he had passed away. And I remember coming home and being like, There has been a mistake here. Yeah. Someone messed something up. Like, I literally remember thinking, they've got the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. They have the wrong guy. Nashville is a huge city. He was like really generic looking, (laughs) you know, or, you know, very handsome, of course. I'm sure mom will listen to this. Leon was very handsome. But, you know, I mean, he just like kind of like six foot two, brown hair. Like, he just kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, he looked really normal, so I was like, okay, maybe he, maybe they got him confused for somebody else or maybe something else happened. Like I remember thinking at one point, and this is this is what grief will do to you. Maybe he got lost. Yeah. Susanna, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And I was just like, maybe he just got lost. No, I mean, everything was there. like I'm not gonna use any words to describe any of it, but like there was an accident. It was very obvious, and I was just, in my
1: mind, I was like, yeah, he probably got lost. It's one of those things where it's really hard for our brains to, like, process and to accept something like
0: that. Yeah. I will say, too, I never vocalized any of those thoughts. Mm. Uh, Not because I didn't feel like I was allowed to, but uh, I think I knew how crazy they sounded,
1: do you feel like everyone else had kind of accepted what had happened, and you didn't want to say anything?
0: Well, no, I think I didn't want somebody to be like, "What's wrong with you?" Of course, he didn't get lost, you idiot! Like mm. he died. That's why we're all here. You mm. know, that's what that's what's going on right now. Like, you know, we're we're talking about a funeral. We're talking. This isn't a couple of days before the visitation. We're like, it just didn't quite feel real to me yet.
1: Well, of course not. It was literally three days, two days after he had died. Right.
0: And I don't know. I just, I was like, people are just going to think I'm crazy if I tell them, like, if I'm like, hey, has anybody thought about maybe he just got lost? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but I kind of can't help but laugh because, like. This is what my mind did.
1: You you try to rationalize every other scenario. Yeah.
0: But the, po- the point of what I'm trying to say is there were a million times like that, especially in that first year where I thought, if I say this out loud, somebody's going to, like, call someone. I don't know. I was like, they're going to institutionalize me or something. Like, mm. I just thought pe- the people in my life are going to think I'm crazy if I actually say what I think. Mm. Or if I actually say how I feel. Or if I actually, you know... I just didn't, there were some things that I just, I was too, is it afraid? I don't really know. I just didn't feel like I could say.
1: Because of your disbelief?
0: Right. Because of the shock? I was like trying to make, it was like I was trying to make things fit in my brain that just didn't fit together.
1: Yeah. I I will say I, I definitely felt the shock and I definitely felt the disbelief. And I remember saying out loud to myself, he's okay yes he's okay yes this doesn't happen he's okay yeah and i mean clearly he was not okay but um i also remember i mean this was for quite some time like honestly months after leland had died imagining him just walking through the front door yes me too have we talked about this i don't think so but like sitting down at the dinner table and it's like oh he's going to walk in the door any minute or even just like randomly. I imagine that same thing.
0: Yeah. And then I, Mm -hmm. okay, this is going to sound crazy, but like, I imagine he would walk in the door and be like, sorry guys, I got lost. And then you would be right. You would say, I "I knew it. You people were so dumb. Nobody checked to see if he was lost. I don't know why. Like, but again, this is such an example of like, our brains are so wired. To make sense of things. Yeah. And like, for whatever reason, that's the thing that my mind latched onto that made no sense. But it just, my brain just, just grabbed it. Yeah. And just went for, just like, went. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I imagine the same thing that he would just walk in the door. Yeah. And I was like, and I won't, I remember thinking like, I won't be mad at him. I won't be mad. I won't even be mad. Mm. Like, Even though like if somebody, if that really did happen there, you'd have a reason to be mad. It's like, Hey, we thought you passed away or something, you know, but
1: Mm -hmm. this, it was just weird. Yeah. The, the emotional aspect of grief can do some really funky things to your thoughts, you know?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: okay. Talking about numbness. So moving right along. Yeah. Numbness. Um, so you might find that you feel numb after a loss, um, this is another thing that it is, you know, I don't want to say normal, but sure. it is a natural kind of reaction, or it can be, um, and it really is just to to help us in a way process what has happened at a pace that we can manage, yes, um, and not before we're ready.
0: So the next uh, emotion that you might experience during uh, grief is panic and confusion. So. Obviously, uh, depending on the situation, depending on, like we already talked about, how somebody passed away, if it was sudden, if it was expected, uh, I think that this can also be something that a lot of people experience. It was something that I experienced for sure. Uh, A lot of us, and I think this is interesting, you know, the person that we lost usually has... Like we usually have a piece of our identity wrapped up in them, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there was a piece of my identity—a small piece, but a piece of it—that was Leland's little sister. Oh, I think yeah, probably had a very similar feeling. Yes, and it was maybe a large, a yeah, large, probably piece. a lot more for you, yeah, because you guys were a lot closer in age. But uh, I would imagine for a spouse, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so much of your identity is tied to who you've built your life with. Um, same as a parent, you know, losing a, a child, a lot of your identity is in being that child's parent. Mm -hmm. And so when we lose someone in that relationship, it can leave such a huge gaping hole. I think a lot of us can feel panicked because it feels like, in a sense, a loss of our, a piece of our own identity. Does that make sense?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. I, I can't say that I necessarily felt confused but I can understand what you mean um, by having, you know, a, a, a part of my identity in yeah. Leland, which I was known as Leland's little sister. Yeah. I'm still known as Leland's little sister, even mm. to this day. And I mean, I hope I'm always remembered as Leland's little, one of his little sisters. Mm. Um, Yeah, I... I can, I can totally understand feeling that that confusion of uh, not necessarily having an identity crisis, but mm-hmm. having that just major shift
0: yeah. in identity. You know, we touched on this a little bit in mental grief, but in the last episode, I, I did feel a lot of confusion because I wasn't really fully understanding exactly what took place, mm-hmm. like exactly what took place. And that, um, what's the word I want? Not haunted me, but it, it really, it burdened me. It really burdened me to feel so confused about, um, what had happened. So I think maybe that could be a part of it too. Also just feeling generally confused about like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like this person's gone and I just, I don't know what to do with myself. Right. That's very real. Um, yeah. Okay. You want to keep going?
1: Yeah. I love how this, uh, shakes out because I get to talk about anger and hostility. (laughs) Great. Are you okay with that? Yeah. No, I just feel, a, I feel a deep, um, connection to those two mm-hmm. emotions. Um, but with anger and hostility, I mean, obviously losing someone is painful and it can seem really unfair, um, for that to happen to you. Um, you may find that you feel angry or frustrated or want to find something or someone to blame for the loss. Um, and, and we can do that to try to make sense of what has happened. Um, I, I felt a lot of anger, um, kind of as the dust settled in my early grief. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and by dust, I mean, just kind of that fog that, um, Um, denial and that kind of shock like once that kind of settled I, I I feel like I really took on some some anger so can you tell me more about that like
0: you were angry all the time you were angry at Leland you were angry at the people in your lives you were angry at happy families like what who was your anger directed towards and like how did it come out for
1: me Uh, the anger, it really, it really depended on the day, but I felt like I always had some, some degree of anger in my body. Um, I I kind of went back and forth. Um, and, and I don't know the details of my brother's passing just because I don't want to know them. Um, but I really wanted to put the blame on his friends. (laughs) Cause Mm -hmm. I know he was, he was with some of his friends that night and I felt a lot of anger toward Mm them. Um, I mean, I don't know what decisions were made. I don't know the timeline of things, but I know that there were friends involved and I was mad at them. I was Mm -hmm. really mad at them. And then I, depending on the day also felt, felt, I was more hesitant with this, but I felt angry at Leland. Sure. Um, you know, because of, you know, the accident. And so I, I don't know, I, it all just kind of wrapped up, um, I guess just my, my emotions just kind of were wrapped up in this anger Mm -hmm. of just the, like the injustice of it. Like it just felt very like. I don't know. It just felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I didn't like that. And yeah. I was angry about it. I was angry that that my world had been turned upside down. Yes. And it felt so cruel and so unfair. Yeah. And I was angry about it. And so I think my anger just really, honestly, that's, that's another reason why I did choose to isolate myself because I was so angry. I didn't want to have to like put on a happy face or, and you never have to put on a happy face, but you know, you still kind of, I I still put pressure on myself to do that. Sure. And, um, I'm just, I don't have a poker face. And so I just really tended to isolate and, um, which is, you know, I think I isolated to an unhealthy degree. Mm. Um, yeah. You
0: know, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. Um, a lot about the friends and a lot about being angry with, with Leland. And this is another one of those things that I didn't want to say out loud because I was like, you know, well, we miss him. And it almost felt to me like, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think mm-hmm. that this is how it can feel a lot of times in grief that like when someone has passed away, like it felt like there could be no hard feelings towards him. Like that didn't Mm. feel fair of me. But in reality, I did feel really angry at him because honestly, and regardless of if you know any of the details or not, you know that it was totally preventable. Yeah. Like the accident and all of those things, like it could have easily been avoided. Yeah. And so for me, my anger towards Leland was because of watching mom and dad, Mm. like watching my parents bury a child, watching them. I mean, watching parents lose a kid, I mean, there's, it's just so challenging. It's mm-hmm. so, it's gut-wrenching. And I was, like, angry at him. I was like, I can't believe he would do this to our parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm not even going to sit here and say that that was an unfair thing for me to think. No, no, it's uh, not. And so I just want to say, like, if anyone's listening to this and has felt angry at their person for dying, like, you are allowed to feel that.
1: Yeah. You are so allowed to feel that. I mean, regardless of the scenario too, because there are a lot of, a lot of different scenarios, you know? Sure. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I think too,
0: I wanted to say is mm-hmm. that we're, we're touched on this, I think in a couple of minutes, but um, when it comes to relationships, like, okay, so like we lost the same person but we lost two different relationships. That's something that we say here sometimes. And you know, I could sit here and say like, oh, well um, now this is not the case for us, but well, he and I had these memories together. We had this significant thing. So you're not allowed to be as sad as I am. Oh, that's like grief comparison. Right. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like I could see like anger in that, like how families could like maybe one person has more of a prolonged, season of depression or maybe it affects them differently but like you know i could say like well you know it was my part it was my spouse who died and so you know you don't get to sit here and be sad all day like if i can get out there and like be productive and- yeah does that make sense yeah. i would imagine that that's the dynamic in some families i don't feel like that's been the dynamic no, in our family. thankfully it hasn't but i can see how there can be anger and hostility even directed among like family members mm-hmm. so
1: God, that's gotta be so hard.
0: I'm trying to think outside the box because we have such limited experience. Um, so I'm trying to think of like from other people's perspectives how they would experience yeah. these things. But
1: yeah. No, that's good. Anyway. That's that's good.
0: Um I'm gonna skip the next one. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Um what this one I thought was really interesting. This is definitely f- thinking outside the box. This is 100 percent thinking outside the box for us because this is not our story, but um, uh, there, we're kind of referencing an article um, and it talks about feeling relief, like relieved. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I can't talk. Feeling <laughs> relieved. Relieved. Yeah. Relieved. I can't say the word. You got it. After someone has passed away and that never would have dawned on me. Yeah. Because it was not my experience. But I would imagine if I had lost someone who had been ill for a long time and had suffered. Mm-hmm that there could be an element of relief that I would feel after their passing mm-hmm. that they are not in that same suffering state. Yeah.
1: And I, I would also wonder if, and this is just me, you know, pondering this, if maybe in some cases, if someone is feeling that relief, maybe it could also kind of be misconstrued into like a guilt, like does that make sense? You mean feeling like guilty if I feel that relieved they're that it would feel their guilty. loved one is gone? You know what I mean. Keep talking. I don't know. It made sense in my head.
0: So are you saying like if I feel relieved, then I would feel guilty for feeling relieved? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I totally yes. agree. Yes, that's what I, I'm trying to say. I, I completely agree with that.
1: Yeah. And again, I
0: think, and, and you know, that's what this podcast is here for. Like, we're gonna say things that you don't feel like you can say. <laughs> you know, like we're giving a voice to. These feelings and these things that we might experience that just don't, Mm -hmm. they don't really maybe sometimes feel safe to say. And I think you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. I think that if, again, I can only try and put myself in this situation because it's not my story, but I would imagine if I had a loved one who had passed away after, you know, some intense suffering or even mild suffering, even suffering for a short period of time, like maybe I would feel a a little bit of relief for them and then not feel like I was allowed to say that out loud because- Mm -hmm. I think some people might think it sounds like they don't love their person or don't care about them. Mm. It doesn't mean that you're glad they passed away. Yeah, relief and gladness, I feel like, are two very different Very things. different. So it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm thankful that they died or something like that. It just means, you know, I would... I would imagine that watching someone suffer like that would cause a lot of suffering in my own heart, oh, for sure, and your your grief starts early it starts it yes. starts while the person is still alive yes. in that case, and I would imagine that I would, yeah, I mean relief is really the only word that I can come up with mm-hmm. um, yeah, just to just to imagine that like just some freedom there,
1: yeah, free- yeah, freedom makes yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, I would also,
0: and I I would love to get somebody's perspective who's gone through something like this. I would imagine if I were a caregiver, like Mm -hmm. if I were the one tending to someone who was really ill Mm -hmm. or suffering and, you know, having to totally sacrifice my, my life, maybe take time off of work, maybe. you know, The financial aspect of it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Maybe I'm suffering financially. Maybe I'm suffering emotionally watching them pass away. You know, I would imagine I would feel some relief for myself too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would also imagine
1: that would be hard to say out loud. Oh, my gosh. So relief can definitely get tangled into the very web tangled. of emotions. That is
0: grief. Very, very tangled. Um, yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's just kind of what we're talking about is that it's just so complex. It's so mm-hmm. much more, it's so much deeper and so much more complicated than being sad.
1: Yeah, that's just like scratching the surface. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it can be such a tangled mix of emotions Yeah, and it can be so many emotions happening at one time too. You know, it's, it's a, it's a very wild ride. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of a tangled mix of emotions, um, kind of the last point we wanted to make is that you might have mixed feelings after somebody has died. Again, I, I'm going to, this is a little bit tougher just because I don't have a ton. This isn't exactly my lived experience, but you know, relationships are difficult. They are, and they can Mm -hmm. be really bumpy and they can be really complicated and there can be a lot of hurting relationships and then one person can die. Mm -hmm. And there can be so many complicated and mixed emotions that come with the passing of someone that you had a complicated relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I knew a gal a few years ago and she had been married and had gotten a divorce. She had children and um, she and her husband divorced and they had kids together. And so they still interacted together. And um, obviously that's a complicated relationship. That For sure. goes without saying. And he died by suicide mm. and it was so complicated yeah, You know, it was so complicated, her feelings. I mean, she was devastated. She was so sad for her kids because mm-hmm. uh, they were going to grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. And she was angry at him because of that. Yeah. And she was obviously angry because of whatever had led to their divorce. I'm not sure about that situation. Mm. And also, like, she loved him, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, she had they were married at her a, heart. Yeah. They were married at a point in time. and. They had children together and like they had really worked out, you know, kind of a, um, like a decent,
1: um, arrangement, co-parenting. Sure. It wasn't,
0: it wasn't a bad and contentious situation. And, um, there were just so many mixed feelings there. And Mm so, you know, Again, I'm never gonna sit here and say that there's one type of grief or loss that's easier or harder than another, but some of them just man have so many more layers,
1: yeah, and if I'm sure like with like the difficult relationships too it it I could imagine that there are so many things left unsaid, you right. know there's that unresolved kind of feeling which right. I just feel so much sympathy for, yeah, you know, yeah. Which I feel
0: like I can relate to maybe to an extent just because like Leland died so suddenly. There's so many things I wish I could have said to him. Oh yeah. But I think you're right. I mean, I I would imagine if there had been like maybe years of silence between us. Yeah. Or tension or unforgiveness um for past hurts, man, I would be walking into grief just in a really yeah,
1: in a really tough spot to begin with. In in a in a different, yeah. Just in a different headspace too. For so,
0: sure. I mean, those are, those are great things to, um, yeah, to process with, I would say a, a professional, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of talk through, cause I think everyone's story is so different and, um, people just need such different things when walking through something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so agree. I want to say one last thing here, Sue's, um, kind of going off what we said, what we were just talking about, just how complex the emotions are. And, like, about watching mom and dad grieve, Um, you know, on top of the emotions of losing my brother, which in and of itself was difficult and in and of itself was sad and, you know, filled me with anger and filled me with confusion and panic and whatever, I'm also walking through this with, you know, the five other people in my family Mm -hmm. and comforting them as well. And in comfort, we you know, we kind of in church talk, we would say like we bear each other's burdens. That really is how it feels, mm-hmm. you know. If I'm going to comfort someone in their grief, I'm taking on a part of the burden that they feel. And so on top of the the burden I already feel of losing my brother, I'm also, you know, taking on something from someone else. This is not me saying that you shouldn't do that. Right, right. Because that's a part of it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it can add another layer mm. and another um, dimension to the grief that I'm already feeling, um, you know, to then hear from the people around me how how much that same loss has affected me. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I mean, I feel like there were times when I kind of didn't give myself full permission to really um, let myself grieve in the sense that like, I don't think I gave myself permi- permission to feel all of my feelings mm. because I thought like, well, I was just a sister.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? The, it's like the parent trumps the sister. Yeah. The
0: parent trumps the sister or even like, I mean in the five kids, there's two boys and three girls. And so when Leland passed away, you know, we have one other brother. I thought like, that relationship I, trumps
1: a sister. a sister.
0: I thought that. There so were times when I thought like, well, I don't really feel like I'm maybe allowed to, to feel so sad or whatever because like, you know, I still, I still have a brother here. Dawson doesn't have any more brothers. Mm. Now that's like my own faulty thinking because one person doesn't replace another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just want to acknowledge that. But, you know, there's just... I think, I think the interpersonal relationships can, um, I don't want to say complicate, but you can definitely add to the emotions mm-hmm. that we already feel.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yes, I would agree. However, I did not necessarily feel that same way. I think for myself, I had tunnel vision. And I'll be honest, all I could think about was myself. Okay. In that's early, fair. Grief. No, that's I, totally fair. I did not have the capacity. Like, I felt like I was sad alongside everyone else i didn't sure. necessarily feel like one person was more sad or less sad than the next it was like okay we're all kind of on this like parallel journey and like i literally had tunnel vision i, I couldn't i could not think or see outside of myself yeah that makes perfect sense This is so interesting how we have such different experiences. It is.
0: And that's part of the reason why I love talking about this is because it just highlights like on paper, we, you know, quote unquote, should have the same experience Mm -hmm. and we don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, our stories are so different. Mm -hmm. They really are different. Yeah. I will say too, just one last thing about this is, you know, as early, you know, as we say early grief, quote unquote, early grief fades. And you know, what I mean by that is as time passes and we move forward through life, inevitably new things will happen.. Mm-hmm. Um, we hit milestones, right? It's like big life. I events. graduated from college. You know, I think about you, I think about you and Cody getting married, having a baby. And there can be a lot of mixed emotions that come there too. I think, and again, I'm going to just speak from my perspective. I had a lot of sadness. No, and I think this is something a lot of people experience. I had a lot of sadness thinking like, oh, he's not going to get to see this, right? He's not going to get to see me graduate. He's not going to get to see you get married. He's not going to get to see these things. And at the same time, I have felt a little bit of guilt as I go through those milestones because I'm looking forward to something, and sometimes it feels wrong to look forward with excitement or hope in the
1: future and not have your person. Does does that make sense? That does make sense, and I definitely felt that earlier on in my grief journey. And now I don't necessarily i i, I don't feel guilty looking forward to sure. things now. Um, I I feel very fortunate that I'm getting to experience these big milestones and all of that. But I will say when the big milestones do come around, um, I just, I have this, this just sadness in my bones. Mm. It's just like, it's just there. I, I can be so happy. And also I feel the grief and I feel the sadness. Just, I feel it in my body. I feel it in my bones. Wait, tell me more about that. Like what like do you like
0: want to know <laughs> like you're looking forward to a big milestone like how does that come out like like let's like could you talk about your wedding day maybe like what what was that like for you to experience like the happiness and the joy of like you know the happiest day of your life and
1: also not tell your person until my baby was born until until then that baby, was oh the gosh, so
0: <laughs> true have you saved all of our lives let's
1: be honest she rules the world yes I would say. In, in that particular scenario, this is, this is a good one. Um, or a good example, you know, you feel that joy and just that, you know, that happiness of your wedding day. Um, I invited some of Leland's best core friends to my wedding because, because I was one of the little sisters. I just kind of tagged along and I got to know these, these people and I, I got to form sweet little friendships with them. Um, because I was like, The little sister that got to tag along, you know? I mean, you're cool by proxy. Because you're Leland's sister. I certainly am not cool by nature. That is for sure. Not what I meant. Only cool by association. But anyway, seeing them at my wedding was, it was such a blessing having them there and that they would prioritize to spend time with me. But it also just made, it just made my soul ache because I'm so glad they were all there. But no one can replace my brother. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I again I'm so glad I got to share that day with them because that was so special. But there was just this ache i mean i don't know how else to describe it
0: i know what you mean when you said you feel it in your bones i know exactly what you mean it feels like it's built into the foundation of who you are
1: yeah because it absolutely is it's not necessarily that like my literal bones were aching it i guess it's more of like a metaphor like well, i guess no, but i know what you mean yeah this, just it, my grief has just kind of moved into this ache Now, you know, just this, just this ache and this yearning. Like I just, I wish he was here, you know, and I miss him with everything that I've got and I just carry that with me. Mm. So I hear what you're saying. Um,
0: you know, it's really interesting. We were just talking about, um, Susanna, me and you were just talking about C.S. Lewis and some of his writings he's written about grief, um, his book, A Grief Observed. And kind of along the lines of what you're sharing, um, he shared something once. The death of a beloved is an amputation in his book, A Grief Observed. And I I have felt this, and maybe I've shared it on here, but again, I'm just going to share it again. You know. Losing a loved one when people say, oh, I can't imagine what that would be like. It's like, sure, you can imagine. Yeah, you can go there. You can imagine. Imagine um, losing a leg. You know, imagine losing a part of you
1: and how drastically your world would change. In an
0: instant, your life would be different. And in an instant, and for months and maybe years, you would have to relearn things. You would, you, things that used to be easy for you are not easy anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, could you eventually learn to walk again? Of course and will you probably sure and is it going to take a lot of help yes and and it won't look the same it will not look the same um and that's what that's kind of how it feels now is that it's like it feels like okay i'm you know i'm 6 years out after losing my brother you know if we're going to kind of continue on in this metaphor i've learned to walk again I can do most of the things I used to be able to do. Now there's some things that I really avoid because I ju- I can't do them. Sure, I cannot handle them. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I've I've learned to live a functional life again, and I still see the like where my leg used to be every day. Of course, you know, other people might not see that. Other people don't. It's not the first thing that they think when they think about me, but it's still so much a part of my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, that, that kind of sounds like what you're saying is it's like, you know, it's not, it's not something that I get so hung up on, you know, hung up on and caught up in every single day and in the spiral of sadness and darkness, like how it was at one point in my life, but that ache will never go away Mm -hmm. and the glaring absence of my brother will never, ever go away. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway. That's that on
1: that. Um, Do you have anything else to share? I don't think so.
0: I think we've hit pretty much everything.
1: I think so. (laughs) Well, we haven't hit everything, but I know we've hit a lot. We Um, have. Yeah. So I guess I'll do the wrap up. Sure. We didn't really talk about this ahead of time, but yeah, take us out. Um, Well, I'll be long winded. So buckle up for another 10 minutes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So we can be found. We would love to connect with you. Um, we can be found on Instagram. Our podcast handle is, um, our Instagram handle is at grief talk podcast. Um, we also have a website where you can, um, read up a little more about Sarah and I, we have, um, some more information on our website and you can also reach out to us through our website. Um, and that is, www.grieftalkpodcast.com. That's right. Don't forget the www.worldwide web. And then we also have um, a uh, an email address. Okay. I'm struggling, you guys. It's okay. I was just going to say I've been that talking for 48 hours straight. I have hosted, I have attended, I'm exhausted. Yeah. So Suzanne is an introvert
0: and she's really, she's hit like her weekly max capacity and it's Sunday
1: today. I know. I had a headache last night from talking so much and I got that headache again. But anyway, this is important work and this is, I will finish this. Okay. So our email is grief, grief talk is a grief talk podcast at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Well, we're consistent. Um, and I will say that, you know, Sarah and I, we, read every single entry, every single submission on, um, our website that you guys send to us. And we try our best to respond to every single one of them. Um, and I just feel like there's a special little place in my heart where I tuck every single one of you. Um, and especially when you reach out, then I know your name and I just tuck you right in there with me. And, um, Just know that you're not alone Yeah, and we're so glad you're here and we are so sorry that you're here all at the same time.
0: Yeah. A little tiny peek behind the curtain real quick. Usually Susanna will read the emails out loud to me, Mm -hmm. which I I, I mean, the, the, the um,
1: the inbox exactly, which
0: I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it kind of makes me think of when we were little and we shared a bed and you
1: would read to me before we went to sleep. You know what? love that for us. We've just, you know, changed a few things now that we're we're adults, but, uh,
0: but yeah, last week you read me something, somebody had, had written in a question and it was Mm -hmm. just great. It was just like, and you know, we're not really qualified to be giving like professional advice, but it was just a great question. And I was so glad that she had the courage to ask that question. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was just really glad about that. So anyway, absolutely. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us for another episode of grief talk, the podcast where we talk about grief.